1: P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And remember to include the name The Scoreless Through sort of the Podcast in your application. Thank you.
0: Man they're uh, trying to stop Joe for hey, getting himself into list. further he's trouble. A
1: fucking disgrace.
0: Oh, it's not a bad ball for Pelle
2: on the right side. It's Carlos Alberto. I want a great goal that one. Carlos Alberto. Oh, don't he? just walk away from Huddle then? Maradona! They're appealing for offside the ball came back off the foot of Steve Hurst and Maradona gives Argentina the lead the england players protesting to the referee
0: in the i nu gaan we kijken of we een een gevoel dat we in de halve finale gaan komen met de bal zit voor Frank de Boer De Boer
2: speelt
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Scoreless Thriller Podcast i'm your host alex and i'm joined as always by leon leon how are you doing
2: i'm doing great I'm very happy to be here with you today and
1: joining us on the line today is brendan crowley of all sports book reviews uh, online we're going to be covering the book the miracle of castle the strangrow by joe McKinnis, and um, brendan has agreed to come on the podcast welcome to the show brendan
0: hi thanks for having me lads
1: so yeah i wanted to i've been wanting to cover this book for a while because i think Whenever I've kind of looked at lists of books which are kind of like the best football books I always see this one near the top and I was kind of always been kind of curious as to why it has this kind of exalted status. But before we kind of get into like the the book itself and stuff I wanted to kind of ask you a few things Brendan about what exactly you think makes a good sports book exactly and maybe you can kind of flesh out like what kind of motivated you to start the the, the blog instead of writing about the reviewing the books that you'd read.
0: Uh, yeah so I started the um, blog I, I think it was after kind of the 2016 election in the US I found all the news media was so negative and so relentlessly kind of doom-mongering that I, I stopped reading the news and was kind of re- found myself reading more and more sports books and I've always every year i would always kind of done a list of books for friends and passed on recommendations and passed on books and I kind of I found out I, I just wanted somewhere to kind of collect my thoughts, really, and, and keep a list to myself. So, I kind of started the blog thinking no one would ever read it, but uh, it seems like there's a, a small community out there of people who love sports books too. So, got a fair, a reasonable bit of traction, and met a few good few people online who were into into sports books as well. So, it's been been a really positive experience.
1: What was actually the first book
0: you reviewed for this site? I think yeah. I did. A, I reread Andre Agassi's book Open. Oh, okay. And, uh, capture thoughts there because that was a book that I found really powerful really kind of motivating and just just brilliant and I, so I think that was the first one I put down on paper on the site
1: when you are picking new sports books to read what do you think are the, kind of like some of the main criteria for what you want to cover because I know when I myself when I try and find like new sports books to read it's very like random it's just like I'll listen to a podcast or like read something in a paper like oh that's interesting but is there some kind of, do you think there's something that you kind of particularly look for in a good sports book story or what is the kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I think there needs to be a hook. There needs to be something. If, if, you, if, if you read a description of it and you don't instantly kind of think that's something that song sounds interesting, you probably won't probably won't be that interested. So it's usually either a topic that you haven't thought about or a story that you you would like to learn more or, or really good writing. And if it's a writer you know is good or uh, that really kind of sucks you in. So usually I find it's the, it's the stuff that's not as well covered, the kind of those angles in the sporting world that you're not as, as aware about. Like, I wouldn't have a huge amount of interest in reading a book about Wayne Rooney, say, when you've followed everything about him. But it, it's it's more that other angle. Um, mm. Or else just, just a really good writer that you know does a really good job.
1: And do you find yourself just generally gravitating more towards concept books or, like, away from autobiographies? Because I know I think there's, like... I think in recent years there's been, like, kind of fatigue towards very kind of formulaic sort of footballers autobiography and people are kind of looking more towards like something which gives a bit better story and like a bit different than just like uh in a to z of sort of a player's achievements and stuff like that
0: yeah yeah definitely i think i i won't read an autobiography unless i i see a good review somewhere or unless i i know it's someone who's had a particularly interesting life that i that i'd want to read about otherwise they're generally kind of exercising self-promotion as much mo- as much as anything else so i think certainly i find uh what you're calling concept books would be one that I, I lean towards a lot more. Yeah.
1: And and like just speaking generally, like this year, what has there been a couple of books that you've sort of really enjoyed this year? Like what have been some of the kind of highlights of the books you've read this year?
0: Yeah, so I think um, one I just read really recently, which I think is well worth checking out, is uh, it's called Nineteen Eighty Two Brazil mm-hmm. by Stuart Horsfield. Um, it's about the, the eighty two Brazil World Cup team. That um, got knocked out in the quarterfinals by Italy, but that had, it had Zico and Socrates and Tostao and Adair and all these kind of legendary players. And they just kind of set the world afire and really became kind of the, this team that everyone absolutely loved. Uh, and then all of a sudden got knocked out in the quarterfinals. So by Brazilian standards, failed. And uh, so the book's, I think, subtitle is The Glorious Failure. So it really is something that. Uh, it, it's it's a celebration of of the team and I suppose the way they played, but it's as much a kind of personal book about the author's child, kind of the joy of the World Cup when you're a kid. So that World Cup that you you run home from school and you get to watch these unbelievable players that you didn't really know about. Um, so it just really, really while well, so so what's well, really good about the team? It's 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 as much about I suppose the joy of watching football as a kid and, and particularly international football, which I really love.
1: Yeah, we covered the like we covered the game between uh, Brazil and Italy from that World Cup and like the one the game where they got knocked out and I think we watched the game back and even like watching it back now is just like so kind of the way they played is kind of very iconic and also the kind of like style and very aura around it and then also like I think like the mystique is also added just the fact that they they lost, like there was kind of like almost the story of like the tragic failure.
2: Yeah, we talked about this, right? That it's bittersweet and that this just adds to the story and makes it somewhat more appealing even, yeah.
0: Yeah, you kind of feel if they won, they would have been kind of, oh, they're the second best Brazilian team to win the World Cup. They, they would have always been in the shadow of the 1970 team. But by becoming the best team not to win the World Cup, uh, they, they kind of create this, this, this other legacy. Um, and it kind of creates a more endearing story almost and like because from i suppose most of us you've mo- only one team wins the world cup only one team wins the league only one team's win a cup most most fans your team loses and it's it's a much more relatable maybe experience
1: yeah, yeah no exactly we kind of um i think we've covered i think there's in if you speak about the world cup i think there's sort of like a trinity of sort of like the most beautiful failures so you have like the hungary team in 1954 mm-hmm. then you have the netherlands team in Seventy four, and then you have the Brazil team in eighty two, and those three teams are kind of remembered far more than like if you think about some of the more fondly than a lot of the kind of World Cup winners that we've had, especially in like the last recent decades as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. Actually. Like if you look at Brazil two thousand two, no one can. About Ronaldo, it's almost hard to remember who else was in the team. Uh, they really just didn't didn't capture your imagination.
2: Except for the Germans, they they do remember. <laughs> 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 sorry, Leon is German. So yeah, this was the World Cup I I followed very intensely, um, and it was just I, I, dramatic.
0: I'll, I'll always maintain that Ireland could have won that World Cup.
2: I think we yeah we
1: <laughs> always do say that Ireland could have won that World Cup if if you know because we always say well if if we beaten like, Spain in the shoot, but if we beaten Spain in the shootout then we would have like, South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> and well,
0: then we it's, were just as good as Germany. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't we beat them a couple yeah, of years ago so. well, yeah. we didn't have Bollock
2: in the finals so that that, that was our downfall <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: so do, do people send you books now
1: at this stage to get you to try and review them and stuff?
0: yeah, yeah I, so I, I get offered a fair few um, so I, I, I only try and take them if they're ones I want to read um, because I, I don't want to do negative reviews if I don't like a book I tend to just not review it whereas if I've accepted a book from a publisher or an author you try and review it now I think there's probably a few I got that I never got to but um, generally you try and uh, so generally I only try and take them if they're, they're ones I want to read or if, particularly if they're new authors or kind of someone that I might follow on Twitter who, who seems to have good insight um, so it is a bit weird I, I mean, it was weird when people would email me and say would you like some free books um, which was a pleasant surprise I had no idea that that happened it shows a little I knew about it book world, but um, there's a few publishers who I'd, I'd read a fair few of books and they'd, that, that they'd, they'd usually send them to me, um, so it's, 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 it is a nice perk, hmm. but I, I tend to give them away then after and try and pass them around.
1: Yeah.
2: Do you know, if you were to write a book yourself about football, do, do you know a topic you'd pick or is that kind of too, too hypothetical?
0: Yeah, no, there was two two topics that I was taught about. Uh, one, one was Italian 90 uh, from an Irish perspective until I found that it had been written, this book called Days of Heaven by Declan Lynch, which was just about what Italian 90 meant in Ireland at the time and what it was like. And oh, he captured okay. it so well. That I, mean, I, don't, I think that book's been written now. Uh, the other topic, I there's a real lack of an English language book on. It is, it, it, it's something in Italian football in the early 90s, whether it's about... Saki's Milan team or whether it's about the kind of magnificent seven kind of clubs that all, all had unbelievable players, unbelievable teams and won multiple Champions Leagues and UEFA Cups. Uh, but there's definitely a gap in the English language writing on kind of early 90s, mid 90s Serie A when it was the league. And I think mm. obviously any of us growing up in Britain and Ireland had Football Italia on Channel 4 and it just became this, it was my obsession in the, in at the time we just watched Italian football as much as possible. There was no live, I had no access to Premiership games, so it was Italian games. Um, so I'd love, I'd love to see more English language writing on that. So I think that's my, my if we win the lottery, that was one. <laughs> <laughs> that's it sounds remember. like an awesome Moon-take project. Spend a year learning Italian, interview everyone, uh, and write that book, that would be one that I'd love to see. I
1: uh, yeah, you mean, you could just like try and copy the Joe McGuinness uh, formula. And the, yes. approach, <laughs> the approach, yeah. Especially the the learning Italian part, it's very satisfying. <laughs> And is is there any books coming out in the around Christmas or the into the New Year that you're sort of particularly keeping an eye on or want to like look, looking forward to getting your hands on?
0: Yeah, so I did a Twitter thread the other day. I do one each year, the last few years, of, of of kind of books coming out, and there's about fifty on the list at this stage. Um, so I think there's a couple that jump out. Um, Simon Cooper, who who wrote Football Against the Enemy, is doing a book on Barcelona coming out later in the year which all of his books are, are brilliant and love reading um there's one on on the dutch team actually similar to the brazil teams one by um gary tacker on um it's called beautiful bridesmaids dressed in orange about the dutch kind of unfulfilled glory mm. um let me see there's a couple others that, that jump it's a out brilliant there title yeah, yeah, I love it. um, <laughs> there's a few boxing books that look really good um uh, a company hamilcar, hamilcar publications do mm. do brilliant boxing books and they have a few there's one on um Hagler hearns on kind of the the two two of the four kings their their three round fight that kind of was one of the best ones you'll ever watch and if you go back back on youtube and look at and uh, there's one other that i'm trying to remember oh yeah there's one about it's called the fix um by a guy called james dixon about the first champions league it's a year where marseille we're caught up in kind of match fixing scandal mm. and the and kind of the, the corruption around the, the, the early Champions League, um which I, I don't really know a huge amount about, but it looks like a, a really interesting book as well. So there's a whole list of on on my Twitter feed of about fifty yeah. odd books come out, all the ones which are ones I'd like to read uh next year if I if I got them or got my hands on
1: them. Are there any sort of like sports covered in books that you've tried to read but you just can't like Maybe something to do with the sport itself, where you just can't quite grasp the topic, or just like they just don't, like, even though you've tried to read them, just don't quite grab you. Because, like, I mean, just for me personally, I think sometimes I, I, I don't really watch tennis much. So, when I just ever try and read, used to read, try and read like tennis books, I just couldn't quite sort of get into them. Or also, like, same with like Formula One, where the sport just kind of yeah. doesn't grab me.
0: I, I have a weird aversion for an Irish person, I have a weird aversion to books on Gaelic games. And, mm. um, irish hurling or Gaelic football, and there's obviously loads turned out in Ireland every year, and I just, somehow it doesn't, they don't grab me, and I, I'd watch a bit sport, but the books just don't seem to, I don't know why they never seem to click with me. Um, Yeah, I, I'm trying to think generally a tennis, there hasn't I haven't been too many tennis books that I've read and really gotten into um, either. So it seems to be, like, football and, and the big American sports seem to have the, the main ones, but I don't know if there's any, if i say it, it's about a particular sport or it's just I haven't found the right books that have yeah. with me.
1: Let's move on to our kind of main discussion on the miracle of Castel de Sangro. So uh, for anyone who has, doesn't know anything about the book, so the book follows Joe McInnes, who was a kind of, it was an American political writer who was a new con- convert and enthusiast to, to football. Hopefully. Enthusiast maybe it's putting like a, I don't know, under-emphasizing, under, under underemphasizing it. So he hears the story of this team, uh, Castel de Sangro, which is from this very, very small town in the Abruzzo region. Yeah. Um, Abruzzo. Abruzzo, yeah, in the Abruzzo region, who have miraculously reached the heights of Serie B. And he decides, after falling in love with football uh, from the 94, like the USA 94 World Cup, so he decides to follow them, move, move over from the States to Italy, speaking zero Italian, and follow the team. For, for a year, and somehow it just, like, this story ends up having, like, everything in, in it. Brendan, can you remember from, like, when you read the book the first time, what kind of grabbed you about it, or why do you think it kind of had that kind of effect?
2: You will start even earlier, like, what was the hook, because you talked earlier about you, if, you, if you want to read a book, like, you want to have something that sparks your interest. What, what sparked your interest with this book? Why, why did you start reading it?
0: Yeah, so I, I think I picked it up because it just it was something I hadn't seen anything about and I'd read some of the American kind of books to cover where someone would go in and like John Feinstein would go in and cover a sports team, but I didn't really I didn't really see many football books that were like that. Um, I think it, it, as I said, Italian football always fascinated me. I definitely played like Serie C on Championship Manager back in the day. <laughs> uh, so I'd seen the name at some point. So it was it was a kind of a, a mix of mix of things like that. Um, so I read it, it wasn't it wasn't long out. I think it was pretty only about a year when I read it, and I was I think I was probably seventeen or eighteen, and I just I just found it fascinating. It just totally gripped me. I think I was jealous of the idea of going over to Italy and and following a team, and, and so the idea of it. The idea of the book really appealed to me, um, and then was, as I said, I was blown away then when I when I started reading it.
1: Yeah, I think for me when I when I started reading the book, what's kind of like grab me and made me want to just keep reading more and more and faster and faster right? is the kind of way that he writes and how he's sort of able to bring characters and the place alive right leon
2: yeah i completely agree um it, and and we we discussed this earlier because i think it's very interesting um especially in comparison to a lot of to the other uh football books that we've read it sometimes seems nearly sociological so he is he has a very interesting way of describing the village where he arrives the people that he interacts with and this adds a lot of de- a lot of depth i think to the whole description and that that's something that immediately sucks you into this story and then it just brings you towards the football layer later on i think so that was th- that was really nice i thought yeah yeah, yeah.
1: so the, the the sort of prologue chapter sees him on a train in milan and he meets this this major right and then this major is football obsessed so he goes to watch this milan game with him and then what like what yeah, he watches
2: he watches this Milan game with this with this major, this stranger that that he meets, um, and he's devastated because Milan actually ends up losing this game, um, and then he <laughs> says this this major character says that um, this lists among the calamities that has happened. Um, in the last year, just right next to his childhood house, uh, getting flooded, and um, his senior mum ending up in an elderly home. So it kind of shows you <laughs> how football crazy, what a football maniac this. person Yeah. yeah. Was.
1: So, so Milan lose the game, and then the major just leaves the flat, and then just just he doesn't leave. like he just writes him a message saying I'm besotted with you know with with uh, with sadness over this result, and just leaves him a note and just leaves the flat for three days. Yeah. And that gives you kind of a bit of a window into. Into like what like what McGinness is kind of trying to, to uh, uncover and also like show is the sort of fanaticism for football in Italy and also like show bits of the culture. But yeah, so he like McGinnis ends up in the village in in Castel de Sangro and there's just like so much goes on between in the whole in the, in the season. I know there's so many like characters which he brings to life, but I think what really I really enjoyed is how sort of he makes these matches between these like which he describes as these very sort of not particularly beautiful like small cities and towns in Italy and then their games against Castel de Sangro and like how and he, he drums them up and he gets drum drums them up and drums them up and then you make you, at the end like towards the game you end up feeling like, Oh, this is the biggest match in history, you know, like Castel de Sangro against Bari or something, you know.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and then I, I guess my question also to you, Brendan, would be because, um, as I already said, that especially the people that are described and kind of even the landscape, but also this the, the, the social environment um, where McGuinness is in, all of this was very vivid, I felt like, in the description. But then sometimes when he described the matches, um, I think you could maybe tell that he was not as experienced, maybe, as some other authors in this genre. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, do you think... Um, him having somewhat of an outside expected because he's very, a very new fan um, of football. Um, do you think that added, or what do you think it added also to his description of his year in, in Italy? And where what were the downsides of this maybe?
0: Yeah, yeah I, I suppose it's, it's more about, it really became more about fanaticism than it became about football. It, the yeah. football was kind of the, the vehicle that, that he got hooked on, but it was more about being hooked on something uh, and and yeah. kind of getting wrapped up in the town and the, the fanaticism within the town so like he, he clearly didn't have there's often you can tell when it's an american who doesn't know much about football writing about football there's a particular style and, and it very much read like that so but but it became all about the result and i think what you found when you're reading it was it was really you were you were reading about the match to get the result as much as because you want you you kind of the way he wrote about it and the fanaticism he brought sucked you into the to the game and yeah. into the team so i, I think being an outsider probably helped in some ways. They didn't get bogged down in, in some of the nuances, and his kind of his own tactical ideas were were not the most well developed. as was at the best of times, so you it, it became less and less about about the interest you see in football. It wasn't one, it wasn't, uh, I, I, but it it does broaden it out and open it up to a wider audience. Like I, I gave the book. I remember after reading, it, I gave it to my dad, who has no interest in football whatsoever. But it would have known John McGinnis. Somebody would have been interested. Oh, you're reading the John McGinnis book, and he would have enjoyed the book. Uh, yeah, without having any particular knowledge of football. <laughs> so I think it does. It does make it a different book than if it had been someone with an intricate, kind of tactical insight, trying to bring that out as well.
1: But I think also on the other hand, I think in you mentioned in your review that like when you went back and reread the book, I think like when you were no longer sort of in your late teens and stuff, his sort of personality and how he sort of. Um, forced himself always to like the center of the story it rubs up against you far more than it did back then
0: yeah i, some, I somehow missed this when i first read it I, I i somehow didn't it didn't dawn on me i suppose or it didn't bother me how how much this was about him and his experience and his kind of sense of he knew what was right and his moral kind of crusade and all that For some, I, I think i when i first read it, like, I got totally wrapped up in the story and what was going to happen and these people and this kind of the, the life in, in the village and, and the team and, and I got wrapped up in it. It was only when I went back and read it um, a couple of years ago that I really couldn't get over how, just how much it was about him and he he didn't come across as a particularly likeable guy yet somehow with a weird endearing charm that made people like him eventually. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like trying tantrums with officials and kinda picking fights and all this kind of stuff and... Um, I, which definitely I think when reading it with a more critical eye I kinda of found God. I don't think I'd have I think I'd want to have spent much time in his company. Yeah. Um whereas I, I, I somehow totally missed that the first time. I don't I don't know what, what what kind of why how I missed it, but I think certainly the first read of it I I really didn't pay attention to him. It was more about everything else going on around him.
2: Yeah, but what do you think has changed? Is it that you've become a more critical reader, or is it just you reading this book for the second time? Um or is there anything else that explains this new reading? of the story?
0: I, yeah, I, I was thinking about that. I'm not sure. Partly, I think, just being a bit older and a bit more cynical in the world, uh, which is a sad thing to, to admit. <laughs> uh, We're all more good, cynical. Yeah. Still like the ideologists here, <laughs> the young. Yeah, and so I think partly that, partly it might be because I, I was less, there was no nerves, I suppose, about what happens. The tension is, when you reread something, the tension is reduced. So maybe when you take out the kind of tension of, how will this season go? Maybe I, uh, I was more critical, and maybe because I read it after Saint blog so I would have thought occasionally, what would I say about it? So may- maybe the act of reviewing changes the experience of reading, um, which could explain it as well.
1: Yeah, I think for me, like his, like his, the nature of his sort of being an outsider, and also his kind of naivety about the world, which he like, which like of, of Italian football, which he inserts himself into. Uh, for me, I think it's it's both the strength of the book and also like a a a weakness, right? Because I think the way that he's sort of like he's obviously got this newfound fanaticism and stuff, and like the way he writes about that, I'm not sure a more kind of seasoned football writer or someone could could could, could quite capture that the way he does. But then also the way he reacts to certain things, I think, is also is demonstrates his kind of lack of knowledge or preview or like background research on the on the sort of area and also football culture
2: i mean you yeah, know i think i think i agree it's like maybe the football puberty <laughs> he, still, he still feels very everything very strongly um the highs and the lows and it's not maybe not very mature but yeah i think that there's a lot of value to be found in this um and i think it it builds also throughout the story right at the beginning it's more of the um, a perspective of just someone who is not part of the community but then he gets more and more involved and he also feels more and more strongly about the wrongdoings that are going on um, as the story develops mm.
1: yeah i think we should probably preface this bit with the kind of spoiler alert so if you don't want the ending of the book to be spoiled for you then just skip the rest of this like this bit of a discussion but Castells to Sangro have maintained their survival, so they're going into the last game, and it's a dead rubber where they've, they've, you know, they've, they had the big finale of the game before where they were able to to um, stave off relegation, and in the last game they play against Barri, who need a win to go up, and so uh, it's kind of prearranged basically that the game will end three one, and Joe overhears, so he before he goes on the trip to the game, he one of the players comes up to him who's unnamed, and he says. Uh, joe i've loved being on this journey with you but please don't come to the last game and he ignores the advice and overhears some of them at the poolside kind of discussing what the result of the game must be that barry must win 3-1 and it can't they have to score to make it not look too bad and he obviously like loses his shit (laughs) over this he does he loses his shit basically over this and it's like Calling them all cowards and just like shouting at them, and it feels it's very personal betrayal over it. And then the game happens, and obviously it's three-one result. And he kind of the the book ends on a very sad note because all these players who he's very clearly kind of built this very strong kind of personal relationship. He knows that he can kind of never go back to the town because he's like shouting at all the people and like shouting at the. He writes something on the coach's door about like how shameful the act was and how you know how betrayed he feels by the the actions of the coach and also of the town and everything and the
2: the president and stuff. Yeah. And the so called society. Yeah and it and does the- its shady business in the background and definitely has it had its hands <laughs> in in the in this whole thing. So he's definitely a persona non grata. Yeah yeah so it's all
1: it's this. all it's all um yeah it's all like it's all ended all this beautiful relationship is ended. But my kind of point is like if he'd kind of known a bit more about Italian football or anything beforehand he might have n- maybe not reacted the same way, way right if like Breckbrennen if he'd kind of been a little bit more worldly or knowledgeable about football then he wouldn't have been quite had this uh, reaction to it or what was your kind of reading of the situation
0: yeah I, I, think, like, I think like if you think of who McGuinness was at the time he was an award winning writer who had written about Nixon like he knew, he knew about corruption in a way, in an in-depth kind of manner. And he, he understood the world as it is rather than how you kind of want it to be. But I think for him, football was this kind of escape, was this magical thing that that was better than the world and better than everything else. So I think he had this deeply personal kind of near meltdown when it was kind of revealed to him what football was really like and what, what, what that it was part of the world that he'd been from. It wasn't this magical kind of escape. But when, when I read it first, when I read it in kind of 17, 18, I, I kind of, I, I, I agreed with him. I kind of felt a bit betrayed myself. I kind of thought, God, this, this wonderful story and this terrible ending, and, I, and it definitely was a kind of, made, made me upset or made me sad that, that it had gone this way. But I have to say, reading it back now again with more cynical kind of worldview on it, what struck me this time was just the absolute lack of empathy and the realisation that the, the victims here are the players who are put in this position. It's, mm-hmm. There's no, the least victim in the whole thing is McGuinness. Yeah. Uh, is the person who's 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 going on the journey with them. But it's really the players who really have to have no choice here and ha- are kind of caught up in this kind of corruption and this, this world. And that, I suppose, a more rational writer or a person in a more rational state of mind would have picked up on that. But... It would have been a very different book if, if it was a kind of an objective account. it wasn't. it was very it, the book is a personal subjective account, and I suppose the the, the, the positive side of McGinnis's fanaticism and passion that sucks you in, the downside of that is his response at the end, but it, um, it, 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 he doesn't come across well from it.
2: But then again, I mean, my question then would be, what do you think how would you have reacted in that situation? I mean, you follow around this team for a year, and you build up relationship and trust and hope and all of this. And I mean, of course, yeah, take a step back. Don't think that you're the center of the tension all the time. But beyond that, how do you react when this then happens?
0: Yeah, I, I think you have to decide. I think you have to decide whether ha, whether you write the book or not. And whether if you can't, there's a choice of whether you write the book and include it, or you don't write the book, or you write the book and not include it. And I think you would have needed to come to terms with that. Um, but I think at the time, you—I would like to think that I would have been more empathetic towards the people experiencing and having to to make this choice and then to reflect on it, yeah. As opposed to kind of blowing up and and seeing them. I think he wanted them to be to be all things good in the world and and see them as these kind of heroes that he could admire and look up to, as opposed to people who 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 were more human and more real.
1: Yeah, I think because his relationship is so pure with football, like you say. And then, so, like, the book ends with this, uh, this kind of breakdown of a relationship between him and the players and stuff. And I feel like it ends in this very, very. I, I came away from the book feeling very kind of sad. Like, I, I just kind of. I, like, I felt very. such a kind of let down in that, you know, a few chapters earlier, he painted the beautiful picture of everyone kind of celebrating the. the them. The, them. Saying, saying, La Salvencia. Uh, staying up in the in the division and you know everyone's kind of because they've obviously carried all this, also the memory of the two players who died and then and then it ends with this absolute kind of uh sadness of him like you know he's gone like left town and he look also were you as surprised as um as as as, as i was kind of about the ending about like that was the ending was his burning the bridges with everyone there
0: yeah, I'm surprised he mentioned it. I, hmm. I, I think, I think I would have thought that if that had happened, that he would have he would have turned a blind eye and he would have seen that that this was a story that he could, he could tell in a particular way, and that he might have, of kind of hinted at, it or he might have found some way of not putting it as abruptly. But I think because his reaction was so severe at the time, he, he didn't have that option left. So, yeah, there, there's a sadness that that someone like he had this incredible life experience and. There's a version of, of it where he could have had these friends for life. He could have been spending his summers holidaying there. He could have been a really richly rewarding kind of part of his life. And and he he threw it away in some ways by the way he reacted. But but I think because the the fairy tale had been shattered, maybe he never could have gone back anyway. Maybe he never could have forgiven them, rather than them not being able to forgive him afterwards. So it's it, it it's one of those things where when relationships like that break down, it's it's sad, but it's part of the strength of i suppose in non-fiction books it's stories that happen as opposed to stories that you craft so in some ways it's a truer reflection of the world it, it kind of shatters the fairy tale illusion uh which which happens i suppose more often than not in sports so it, it adds a depth and a kind of a it adds a something to the book that that it goes beyond just this fairy tale story and becomes a kind of a i think as a reader you kind of realize you can get caught up in the story too and then your own expectations and hopes and are shattered too so it it gives the book a kind of a truism or realism that 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 helps it step up a level and it does add to its status as a classic i think
1: yeah yeah no i think you're right right because i think if i if the book ends two chapters earlier with them celebrating their like their their survival and division then it's like oh it's a great story you know it's a happy story but then it's like then this this bit comes on in the end, and it just like just sort of in some ways tears up everything which has come up previously, right? Leo? It's
2: bittersweet again.
1: Yeah, like we discussed earlier.
2: <laughs> um, but, but yeah, but also my question was, I mean, I I completely agree that the way he approached, especially the player players afterwards, was um, questionable. But then again, I do think that someone who writes about football and also um, his experience. Uh, in Italian football, isn't doesn't doesn't he carry the responsibility to also point out these shortcomings of the sport?
0: I think it depends if you think of the book as journalism or as uh, as not journalism. I do think there's a difference between non-fiction, non-fiction sometimes and, and pure journalism. So it's whether you wanted the readers to, to come away with a good understanding or you wanted to tell a story about a town and a time because... All non-fiction is, is subjective and put through the lens of the, the author. So I, I assume everything I read, that there's, there's hidden truths, there's things beneath us. So if you look at the, the official history of anything, is always not what happened, but the, the way people remember it and the way people choose to remember it. So in some ways, I suppose it is admirable that he, he, he showed the truth as he experienced it. But what it does bring out at the end is you realise that there was other things going on behind the scenes all along and all you can ever get from a book is the truth as the author experiences it so I don't know would it have been any less authentic if you left it out ultimately because we, we you always only get some bit of the story um, I don't know if you've ever worked in an area if you've ever worked in an area that gets covered in the press you'll very quickly see how little of what's in, in the media is, is reality and not through any desire of journalists to mislead but through just if you're not through the you only ever see one side of perspective or only some part of the the actors involved will be talking to the journalists, so I don't think it's any less. I don't think it would be any. I don't. I don't think he has a responsibility. Yet, as it's not a work of journalism, but I, I do think he probably made the, made the only choice he could make because of how he reacted. It would have become an untrue story if he if he didn't express his his own reaction because the whole rest of the book was about his experience and his reaction.
2: Yeah, and I think at least his ambition was to give a truthful account of the experiences and the miracle of um, um, yeah, the um di the football team right so even though it was not pure journalism and I completely agree here he does have like some kind of um, um, idea of of of, a, of of having a truthful account that shows the different perspectives on this and I mean what I found interesting was that I, I at least I mean he conveyed um, that he was angry with the players and that he burned the bridges as, mm. a, as Alex said but me as a re- reader I didn't go out of this um, blaming the, the players at all because what he also does throughout the book is he shows how there is this eminence the, the, the grise <laughs> exactly uh, Mr. Retza. Uh, who himself in works within a, in a network um, um, which which is very much involved in the whole um, story of the football team but also of this match-fixing event and all of this So, um, but also with the life in the town in general so I feel like even this part at the end kind of fits very neatly into the whole story that is portrayed namely that it's one of a, of a lovely city where there's a lot of social interaction and social bonding but also where there's some shady business going on left and right.
1: Yeah, no, I think the the, the 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 strength of the book is, like I say, is that how it brings to life. I think like what I really, I really just when I'm think about the book and when I read it again, like think about the, the go think go back to thinking about the book. What I the images I'll get will be sort of like how he paints the picture of the team, always having the dinner together in the pizza in the pizzeria like every lunchtime and like the, the characters and stuff and also how. Jaconi, like like sort of like crazy crazy coach Giaconi, who's only English phrase he knows is bulldozer and it's just like the characters within it and stuff and I'll remember that stuff far more than any of the kind of descriptions that um, McGuinness may have had of like the football matches which were some often quite limited and also like you, you're like I say like you said before you're our viewing of the story is purely through his perspective. So, for all like all the way through the book, he's always talking about how one of the goalkeepers, the Julius, is 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 shit and terrible, and how the one that he likes, Lottie, is amazing. But I mean, for all we know, that he could have just had a terrible perspective on which was the better goalkeeper. Like it's all purely like maybe it's driven by. Um, driven by his perspective so i can understand how like like brendan said that there can be too much of his perspective in this story right so that you know sometimes uh if he'd sort of drawn back some of his opinions from the book then maybe it would have had a more you would have got a more overall view of the of the picture but maybe you might not have got quite a sort of like iconic or maybe like a memorable view on what's going on
2: yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I think I think any any book like that is more than people kind of think at times. It it's about the combination of the story and the author, and particularly one where where it's it's an account of something that you're witnessing as opposed to kind of historical research or going back back and looking at things. And it's very much I think the book the the, the book is i is iconic and is a classic because of. The combination. I think if someone else had gone and watched the team, you could have had a very interesting story in a very good book, but you would have had a different book. And this one has resonated with people and, and kind of survived the test of time. So, the combination worked for it, mm-hmm. good or bad. It definitely worked.
1: If if a friend of yours came to you and was like, "Oh, I'm thinking of reading this book," would you still like absolutely recommend that they would read it, or would you also have some reservations about still? Like,
0: no, I hundred percent it? recommend. It's it's an experience and it's. As you, as you said at the start, I think Leon said it's it's so vivid and colourful, and even just as a book about Italy and about the region, and you 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 can even even having read it maybe two three years ago last time, you can picture the meals, you can picture the people. Um, it's it's a really good piece of writing, uh, in in, in from a narrative sense to a descriptive sense. So it's 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 well worth reading, and I think anyone would get something from it, even if you come away at the end, dislike him again or being frustrated, you'll you you'll find it a, a really interesting reading experience
1: yeah no way we, we I think we both agree from what we, our experience of reading it is so um, I think that brings everything that we wanted to discuss uh, on the book to the end thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast Brendan
0: yeah thank no you so much thanks for having me
1: yeah and uh, yeah I hope to hope we can have you again another time hopefully it would be good
0: Yeah, so. definitely keep up the good work I listen back to a, a good few of the episodes and, and they're really enjoyable so keep up the good work lads. Tschüss, bye-bye. Network.